Hello and welcome to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. My name is Kathleen Merkel and I'm the host of the show. And together with a wide range of legendary leaders themselves and experts in the field of self-leadership, we are going to explore concepts and ideas that show you how you can move past your fears, negative self-talk and constant doubts in order to encourage you to becoming a legendary leader yourself with far more natural impact, influence and inspiration. So are you ready for it? Well, welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Legendary Leaders podcast. Today, I'm talking to the wonderful Angie Chaplin, and she's the founder and owner of Mindful Leadership, a coaching and consulting practice grounded in leadership research and guided by mindful behavior. And don't we all need a bit of mindfulness in our very busy lives? I'm speaking to so many leaders on a daily basis. And so many of you say to me, you know what? I don't have time for leadership. I'm so busy. I'm constantly working. I literally walk from my bedroom to my office and there I am. And I switch off my laptop in the evening and wonder what I have done. And this isn't the way to go about it. So let's be more mindful about leadership. And Angie knows exactly how we can all get to that point. With more than two decades of work in organizational leadership and human resources, Angie is a sought-after speaker. She's a coach, a facilitator, and an educator. But she's today very openly and in honesty, she really touched my heart and my soul here with her story, talking about her own journey from alcohol addiction to becoming a business owner who's so deeply connected to her values, to her purpose, and to the people she loves around her. And this journey of alcohol addiction has truly changed her life. And I think she's the only person I know who didn't just create new habits and new healthy, productive habits, but who did that without face-to-face -face support in times of a pandemic and in, in such challenging circumstances of trying to overcome this addiction. So it's just wonderful to listen to her story, how she did it, how she applies her learning to her work as a leadership coach and consultant. We talk about so many other um, topics such as how can you stay truly connected and in touch with your values on a daily and consistent basis. We talk about women leaders and how we define ourselves as leaders, how we may be getting uh, into our own ways as leaders as well. And we also talk about a few top tips in terms of how we can be and feel more confident as people, as leaders, how we can create more time to be mindful in our daily lives as well. So these are just some examples of the themes and topics we're going to talk about in our conversation today. I do hope, as always, that you enjoy this conversation. So by all means, do leave your feedback on Apple Podcasts and share with us what you think about the conversation today, but also what are other topics you would like to hear more about in the future. So enjoy this conversation and speak to you in a moment. Welcome, Angie. How are you doing today? I am doing very well. Thank you. As we're hitting this mid-stride in our summer season, it's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, it's such a pleasure to be with you too. And every time I see you, I have this big advantage that I can see you and I look into the camera. I see this 
glamorous, shiny person right in front of me. You look as if you have just returned from a holiday. How are you doing that? How are you looking after yourself? Quite honestly, I think it's feeling joyful for probably the first time in my adult life. And I say that because I am prioritizing my wellness. Mm. And for me, wellness means all the things. So wellness is mind, it's body, it's spirit, and focusing on my physical activity, but also focusing on my self care, and staying grounded in my values is incredibly important to me. And when all of those things intersect, this is what joy feels like. And Mm. I think that's because this is what joy feels like. I hear many people say the same types of comments that how can you be so happy? How can you be so joyful and optimistic? And I think it really is because for me, leadership starts from the inside. Mm -hmm. And because I feel grounded and because I feel centered and because I do have the advantage of bringing together my passion and my purpose, I feel that it just shows on the outside. So thank you for your kind words. I'm actually not all that glamorous feeling today. I'm just me. And that's that's what being me feels like. And it's a good feeling. Mm, wow. And that was such a wonderful introduction into this show today and all the topics we're going to talk about. It's it's It made me a little bit like, oh, it's just you. It is you. You know, 100% you um, with all your strengths and flaws and challenges that you have overcome. And here you are saying, you know, I prioritize self-care, looking after myself, gaining this energy back, living my purpose. So that's wonderful to hear. So remove the chest. It's the perfectly (laughs) imperfect you. Will do. Thank you. I appreciate (laughs) your advice and I will follow accordingly. Look, when I thought about this show today in the recording, I thought, oh my God, do I really want to mention the big P word again? And that by that, I mean the pandemic. <laughs> right. Do I really want to talk about this again? Because my audience must be so bored by me asking the question, how was this time in lockdown for you and so on? However, with you, I find it so relevant to talk about this time in lockdown, the time in the pandemic and how you made use of this time as a private person, as a leadership coach and consultant, as a woman, because you have quite a story to tell. So before I keep waffling on, do tell us a little bit about your experience of the pandemic. My experience in the pandemic is that it was the best of times and the worst of times. And the worst of times started slightly prior to the pandemic in early February of 2020, when I was placed into the hospital for the fifth time for severe alcohol use disorder. Alcoholism, um, of course, alcohol addiction is the way I see it. And I had struggled for over 10 years 
with the use of alcohol as a coping mechanism, as a numbing agent, coming from a series of disappointments, so to speak, a difficult marriage, a difficult divorce, loss of jobs, the death of a close friend. Many of these things seem to create a challenge for me that I wasn't able to overcome at that time. And as situations continued to worsen, I continued to worsen my health. And that's what would result in the hospitalizations. So the hospitalization last February of 2020, I was in ICU for a week, intensive care, and I was receiving all types of treatment and medication. And I don't remember a lot of it, quite honestly. What I do remember were severe hallucinations and very terrific visions of where my life was going. And when I met with the doctor on the last day when I was being discharged, the doctor looked me directly in the eye and he said, you have two choices. You can continue to drink and you will die. Or you can choose to stop drinking and choose to pursue a better life. And I'm not sure if it's the way he said it or the fact that he was just so direct and so blunt because I had heard other doctors say, you know, basically your health is deteriorating. You really need to stop drinking. Your pancreas is is just eating itself from the inside out and your liver functions are abnormal. And all of those things I had heard for years. And I'm not sure if it, again, was the, was the way he said it, but something clicked. And I made a conscious decision that I wanted to live a better life. And so I left the hospital with a renewed sense of resolve and commitment that I was going to pursue an alcohol-free life. So I entered outpatient treatment, Mm -hmm. which consisted of nine hours of sessions per week. And that was group counseling, as well as meeting with a substance abuse counselor. So that was going along very well. I I was feeling stable in early sobriety and then the pandemic. And all of the support structures with the counseling and the group sessions were put on hold. And I panicked and I did not turn back to alcohol, but I panicked because I all the tools, everything that I had come to rely on as my supports now went away. Mm So it was at that time that I started doing my research and started trying to fill my sobriety toolbox with as many resources as I possibly could. And I remembered a leadership activity that was part of my graduate school experience Mm -hmm. in 2005. And it was during graduate school at Seton Hall University. And we did this activity called the values card sort. And it was literally a deck of cards that had values words written on them. And we identified the categories based on importance. And I remembered this activity and how important it was to me at the time. And I thought, you know, I have nothing to lose and all my continued support to gain. So I led myself through that same activity. And once I determined 
what my internal moral compass looked like with my values, that was the turning point for me. And I knew that in order to live by my values, alcohol had no part in any of the behavior that it would take to continue to live this values-based life and lead as a values-based leader. So first of all, thank you so much for sharing this super, super personal story here with all of us, right? I mean, right. It's just astonishing what you have experienced and what you have done with this experience. And, and I'm, I'm still trying to grasp it. I'm still trying to put myself into your shoes and into the strength that you must have had and still have to do what you have done. I don't think, this is a pure assumption, but I don't think there are loads of people out there, including myself, who would say, you know, I've received very, very direct and honest feedback And this is what I'm going to do with it. Oh, and now a pandemic hits us and my support network is gone, but I keep going because I'm re-identifying my value system and I want to live to them. Yes, That sounds easier than I could ever imagine it is. It was difficult. Absolutely. You know, in some ways, though, as I reflect back and I'm now 510 days sober. So <laughs> as I reflected on when I hit the one year mark and I kind of reflected on the past year, in some ways, year two is a bit more challenging because during lockdown, there was no social scene. And I was the type of drinker that I isolated. So I didn't have a large friend group. I wasn't going out to the bars and hanging out with people who were heavy drinkers. I sat at home alone. And that was the only friend that I felt I had was to turn to alcohol. And I have a very close family and I was living by myself about two hours away from any close family members. And they of course knew that I was struggling and would encourage me to stop. And I would promise, yep, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. And my two sons, I have two children, two sons who are in college. So I have a 22-year-old and a 20-year-old. And, you know, they saw their mom in some very, very deep, dark places. And one of my greatest pleasures is, I hope I don't start crying, is to hear my children tell me how proud they are of me. And certainly as a parent, I tell my kids how proud I am of them, mm -hmm. but to know what the three of us have gone through and the path that we traveled and to now be where we're at and having gone through some of those very dark times, mm -hmm. we really appreciate the light that we bring to each other's lives mm -hmm. and the opportunities that going through my deepest struggle is really where I found my greatest strength and resilience and authenticity and courage and accountability. And yes, things that very much are related to my values. I was just about to ask, what are your values? My five values are joy, love, kindness, 
growth, and wellness. And what's interesting is the values card sort that I mentioned, I created my own updated deck of cards, values to vision cards, and I have my kids do that as well. So I have my five values. My oldest son has his five values and my youngest son has his five values. All three of us have the word growth as one of our values. And what's very interesting is for me, you know, where I'm at in my life, growth looks very different from what growth looks like to each of my sons. Yet it's a way that when we're going on, you know, vacations, or when we're trying to find something to do together, we look at or I look at growth and say, okay, what's something even if it's playing a game, what's something we can do that in some way, shape or form, we can all grow together. And so it it becomes this running joke about, you know, mom living out those values again. (laughs) Uh, But yet it really gives us a way of understanding who we are individually as family members, but then who we are collectively as a family unit. Yeah. And you have just mentioned that your sons have seen their mother in a very dark place. Yes. And now, you know, they are really, really, truly proud of you. And you said in such a touching way, I had goosebumps in that (laughs) moment. So I feel the pride literally Mm. that you have just expressed here. Yes. Um, How has the relationship to your sons changed? Oh my gosh. It's, it is so exponentially better, of course, not just because I've eliminated the addiction, but because I've replaced it with healthy coping tools. And so when difficult situations arise, life happens, right? So I have found myself and they have found themselves, you know, in difficult situations. And in the past, I would, of course, turn to alcohol. You know, if one of my kids said something that made me mad or that I didn't understand or we were having a a mini argument about, you know, I would turn to alcohol as a way to try to work through it. Now we have much healthier conversations. We still argue. We still see things through our own experiences and our own lens, but we're able to talk about it in a much healthier way. And I'm able to identify my feelings, which is something that I used to get rid of them. I didn't want to feel feelings. And now I will say, I feel neglected because you choose to spend more time with girlfriend, friends, buddies, whatever, something like that. So it's me being very specific about naming my emotions, my feelings, and not placing the blame on anybody else because I choose my reaction. So even to say, well, he did something to make me mad. He did what he did that triggered an emotion in me that I chose to get angry about. So it's using that chance to look inward and to say, okay, what is this circumstance teaching me? Well, it teaches me that I get triggered when I'm feeling neglected. So what do I need to do to 
build a greater sense of community? Or if I'm feeling neglected, why don't I call a friend and we'll go out for coffee or reach out to another family member and have a have a chat with my mom. And so it's giving it's being more proactive versus reactive. And when I was reactive, it never ended well. And in these circumstances, I can learn from even the difficult circumstances to know what to do differently the next time. Mm. And and that requires a lot of self-awareness, looking inside or inwardly. You speak about that quite a bit on your website as well, right? right? Mindful leadership is about looking inside, stopping, reflecting, increase your level of self-awareness. But again, I, I've got to come back to that point where you leave ICU, you heard from the doctor what he said, mm-hmm. and now you create this path of being sober and living this life of wellness, of health. What support did you have on your side to increase your level of self-awareness and to practice more of what you have just described? For me, it started with that introduction to leadership during graduate school. And prior to the opportunity to find my own leadership voice through that graduate program, I wouldn't have made the connection between what I value as a leader and what I do as a leader. And when I use the word leader, to me, it's all inclusive. So it's not only how do I lead when I'm in a workplace, it's how do I lead in my life? Because if I'm leading one way at home or if I'm leading myself one way and at work, I'm leading a very different way, that's where that internal conflict happens. And that's when we start to feel that turmoil and that sense of, oh my gosh, I something doesn't feel quite right. So in the leadership coaching that I do, especially going back to the values, when I will ask leaders to tell me about their values, typically the first question is, well, do you mean what I value in my life or what I value at work? Mm-hmm. And that's a very valid question, but my question back to them is, let's start there. Can you tell me more about why there are two sets of values for you? And understanding if an individual is working or in some type of environment where there is this constant conflict between their values and the values of the workplace, or the espoused values of the workplace and their leaders or their managers' behavior, that causes inner conflict within us. And the behavior or that conflict we feel is often the symptom of a much larger source of the problem versus trying to just put a Band-Aid on the symptom and hoping it will go away. Yeah. And what do you, or what have you in the past identified as this larger source? For me at the time, it's been at that time, it was jobs that I never felt that I fit in, Mm -hmm. or I was trying to adapt my behavior in such a way that I was not true to who I was. Mm -hmm. 
I was called to perform duties uh, from a performance management perspective that were not in line with the way I thought things should be done. For example, stack ranking employees and creating a sense of inner competition within a program or within a team is something that did not feel right to me. And when asked to conduct such a practice or such an approach, I didn't know that it was because it was in conflict with my values. I didn't know why I felt so strongly about having to act in a certain way when it really wasn't the way that I would have chosen to act. But it was because I didn't know who I was. I, I, I was just going along with what I thought I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And some of that was a lack of self-awareness. Some of that was a lack of self-confidence, all of which I would go home at the end of the day and these struggles would continue. And the alcohol is what I turned to as a way to forget about it or try to work through it, which certainly didn't help and only made things worse. Yeah. And, and I can very, very much relate to that. Now, I haven't been addicted to alcohol, but I definitely had times when I went literally out every night mm-hmm. and had my after work drinks. It was my way of switching off or trying to switch off. Yes. After yes. Um, very, very hectic and high, hectic and highly demanding period of time. Mm-hmm. And I was literally getting to a point of exhaustion. Right. I, I can't function this way for a long period of time. Right. But I didn't realize it in the moment because I didn't live into the space of mindful leadership. I was just going and going and going. It's yes. going to get better at some point. You mentioned two really, really valuable things. The first one was that it is really important to listen to this inner voice. Mm -hmm. And I even say to listen to your intuition, to your gut when something doesn't quite feel aligned. Yes. And I come back to that point in a moment in terms of how can we truly consistently live into into our values. Okay. The second point you've also mentioned is that people may say to you, well, I have a set of values for work and for life. And the challenge I often give back is, so, so work is then not a part of your life. Right. What role does work play? Right. What does right. life mean and what does work? And I personally have this challenge with the term work-life balance. Yes. yes. For me personally, <laughs> there is no work in life. I want to create right. work that gives me so much pleasure as it is such a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And, and brings an overall joy to my life. Right. Yes. Um, And I think we saw that, especially over the course of the last 15 months, 18 months, because for many families, parenting and working and schooling all happened in the same place. Yes. Because everyone was confined to their house for the most part. Kids went to school in the house. Parents went to work in the house. And it did blur those lines. And I think certainly research shows this, the escalation of alcohol use during 2020 skyrocketed. The purchase of liquor during 2020 skyrocketed because we were all 
removed from our natural habitat, so to speak, and everything was combined into one place. So if we were, you know, on a Zoom call and we had to act a certain way and then we hang up the phone and then it's a complete 180 degree shift, that mindset shift, that behavioral shift, that takes energy and that creates exhaustion, which creates a sense of needing to cope, needing to get back in touch with who we are. And when who we are as a leader is different from what we do as a leader, that creates that sense of inner conflict. Mm-hmm. And, and it's beautiful to hear from you, such a like-minded soul, that leadership is an all-encompassing life experience. It's, a, it's the choices you make, your behaviors you demonstrate, how you lead yourself, as you said right in the beginning, it starts with ourselves. Leadership, and I say it in literally every episode, it has got nothing to do with your position at work, uh, hierarchy level, or anything like that. Absolutely. How you show up in life. That's right. That's right. right. So if you need a title to feel you are a leader, well, then I ask you to re-reflect and to reassess the situation or truly makes you a leader. Right. Because if that's the case, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Then it's more about egocentric leadership than it is about leading from an ecosystem where the leader is in the middle of an ecosystem versus the leader at the top driven by their ego. Um, I said I come back to the values and here we are. Give us an insight into your daily life and how you truly live your values every day consistently. Yes, I am an early riser. I typically am up between 4.30 and 5 a.m. And that's without an alarm. I naturally wake up during that time. And uh, my first workout of the day is at 6 a.m. And I'm in a workout community. So I will go to the gym at 6. But that 5 a.m. to 6 a.m., I call that my magic hour because that's where my mindfulness magic happens. And for me, that's that cup of coffee and it's no sound. I don't watch television. I don't turn on the news. If anything, I might have a background soothing noise or music of that sort. Otherwise, it's silent. And I look at my daily schedule and I look at my calendar and I will draw lines or put columns into my values. So I'll take a sheet of paper, list my values at the top Mm -hmm. with columns beneath, and I will look and make sure that for that day, where am I drawing the line between that activity and my value? And sometimes it's not that obvious because we have things that we have to do, right? paying bills, mowing the lawn, different activities that, sure, I could find where that would relate to a value, but not everything that I do on a daily basis can I make that direct line to a value. But the more that I am leading from my values during the day, the faster my day goes, the more productive I am during that day. And then when I'm ready for bed at night, 
It's because my mind, my body, and my spirit need rest. And I don't need that much sleep. Six hours is about what is maximum, I think, personally. And of course, everyone's circadian rhythm is different. And there's, you know, what's my magic number is different from other people's in terms of of sleep. But I have the most restful sleep because it's more of a higher quality sleep. And so that's my day. I make sure that as much as I can, I am living my values. I am loving it. And that comes from a mom whose son, who's very young still, um, likes to wake up at five-ish. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm trying to make the most out of it. And we are very mindful together and I'm cutting you you, and here we go. But I find it very, very hard. I have to admit. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And that's a great point because it's, it is what works for you. And it's the same way with recovery or with new habit formation or creating a new routine. It's critical to know what works for you. So when I talk with people and when I coach leaders, it's not around here's, here's what I do. You should do it like me. It's here's what works for me. Let's find what works for you. And many times it's try, fail, learn, try, experiment, fail, learn again, and continue the process. Mm -hmm. And that's how you figure out what works for you. Yeah, absolutely. And that leads us so nicely to the next topic. I'm not sure if I mentioned it to you, but a lot of the teams, clients, groups, basically I've been working with over the last months, year, often say to me when it comes to leadership, in particular mindful leadership, connecting with others deliberately, consciously, openly, spending time on self-reflection and really making conscious choices about how you want to show up in your own life what impact you want to make, and so on and so forth. When we talk about those topics, a lot of leaders with the title leader say to me, but I don't have time for this. I have so much other stuff going on and so many restructuring processes are happening and less resources, more work. And and I do feel with the people, and I think it is a big, big challenge that we are facing at the moment in particular. However, if you were to sit in front of those individuals, what would you say to them? What are the top tips you would share? What challenges may you offer to them as well? My suggestion is to think about it in terms of an investment. And it's been my experience personally, but also in my work with other leaders, is that the time will catch up with you one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So whether you take 10 minutes a day, to practice mindfulness in whatever way that works for you, or a year from now, you're needing to take a week off of work because you're mentally burned out or you're physically sick, the time is going to be invested one way or the other. And you either invest it on the front end by finding 10 minutes in your day or 15 minutes, whatever that (laughs) looks like. Sometimes it's starting small and it's take 10 minutes, either first thing in the morning, during your lunch hour 
or 10 minutes before you go to bed and try something different. Try reading, try journaling, try a meditation, try a few simple yoga poses, whatever that looks like, because we all have the same 24 hours in our day, right? I don't have any more hours in my day than you do. And it's how do we make the most of the time we have to do what's going to generate that greatest return on our investment in ourselves. But the more that we invest in ourselves, the more that the mergers and acquisitions are going to happen more successfully, the more that we'll be present for our team members, the more that we'll be able to restructure in a purposeful, intentional process versus feeling like we're being thrown to a pack of wolves and letting things happen to us. And it's really about let's look at how you spend your day and start from there. Yes. And if I may add the time that you invest in those connectivity sessions with your team members, And that could also be starting small, the 10 minutes phone call to check in. How have you been? Mm -hmm. What's going on for you? How is the family? Yes. Right. In particular, when we are still not back in the offices and we see each other for those who have their teams around them, Mm -hmm. this is valuable. And that is time you invest now in order to help them build confidence, feel supported, feel they can speak up about topics much easier and in a more trustful way. And they will also learn to help themselves in a more effective way as you keep doing this and supporting them in a very open manner. And again, it doesn't require an hour a day. It's a few minutes even. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that's probably the biggest piece of advice when I work with human resources organizations mm-hmm. that I hear quite frequently as pushback is that we don't have time. We just don't yeah. have time to be proactive. Yes, you do. Where are you spending too much time being reactive that you can spend at least as the much as the same, if not fewer amount of time being proactive. And that's a good place to start. Absolutely. I have one more topic for you. Yes. And I can't wait to hear from you about <laughs> okay. it. We, we started chatting about it during our, our first call and that's okay. women in leadership. Yes. Now yes. you are a woman leader. Or I woman am. leader. Yes. Um, you have been in uh, working in organizations yes. and now you are supporting organizations. Correct. But you also lead yourself as a woman. Yes. So I am very, very curious what your view is on women in leadership, where we may be getting quite frequently into our own ways and yes. what we can do to help ourselves. Yes. What I see women identifying with is their role is their title. And when I meet a woman, um, whether it's at a networking event or having a conversation or after a presentation that I've done, and I'll say, tell me about yourself. And they will say, well, my name is Angie Chaplin and I'm the director of human resources for such and such a company. And they start telling me all about their job. 
and I'll bring them back to tell me about you. Well, my husband does this and my kids do this and my kids play baseball and I'm a soccer mom. And so they start telling me about all the things that they do. And as women, I feel that we get lost with our identity being so tied up in what we do that we forget to take care of who we are. And many times it's more comfortable to identify with our roles than it is to identify with ourselves. And I've been there myself. I, I, for many, many years, was more proud of my job and the work and the goals and the results. And I didn't want to talk about myself. I didn't like myself. I didn't like who I was as a person, but I liked what I did as a producer, as a performer, as a job, as somebody with a role to play. And that's really how it was for me. I was playing a role in all of those identities versus being who I was naturally and aligning what I did with who I am. And that makes such a big difference and can create such a huge impact on the people around you. What did you notice about what your impact on the people around you? I see a lot of renewed sense of confidence. When women know who we are, the confidence naturally follows because we believe in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And where we have a lack of alignment is when we don't have that direct correlation between who I am and what I do. And a lot of times I'll have women say, oh, teach me how to be confident. And confidence isn't something that you do. It's something that comes from within. And yes, you know, we've all heard it. You fake it till you make it. And certainly that that is applicable advice in some situations. But to be authentic and to be intentional and to lead from a sense of being versus leading from a sense of doing that's where natural confidence lives and it starts in our heart mm-hmm. and being in love with who we are yes. and the gifts that we bring to the world. Yes. And the flaws as well. Come yes. on, who wants perfection? Right. I right? know. I don't. I don't. I love the fact that I don't know any perfect people Yes. because if I did, I would think that there was something wrong with them versus not being, uh, not being perfect myself. But I think what draws us to each other is when we find someone with the same sense of authenticity and we all have a little bit of dysfunction in our lives. <laughs> I like to say that it's when we put the fun in dysfunction, (laughs) that everything works and plays better together. So I surround myself with people who are dysfunctional, but have fun with their dysfunction, because (laughs) we are all perfectly imperfect together. Yeah, I'm loving this. And you know what, this brings in the sensation I am feeling when I'm in my confident place where I feel super at ease with myself. I don't take myself too seriously or get caught up with the little things that don't go right, where I can laugh about myself, but it doesn't mean that I don't take life and what I do seriously, but I do it with, as you said, the fun factor. 
Yes, of course. Of course. Why wouldn't we? If we are comfortable and we know who we are, I don't have to try to be perfect. And if someone is expecting me to be perfect, then that's not a person I want in my life anyway. Yeah. Because that's an ideal that I don't hold myself to. And if somebody else thinks I should be perfect, that's their problem, honestly, that I'm, I'm comfortable with my imperfections and my family's imperfections and my friend's imperfections. And that's what makes us all part of the same tribe. Wonder, wonder, wonderful. Angie Chaplin, you are very clearly a legendary leader. And that's oh why goodness. you are here on this show. Thank you so, so much for being this amazing guest. Thank you so much. We could talk for hours, I believe, <laughs> about any topic. <laughs> <laughs> we certainly could. I have no doubts. And if I look at my list of topics, we could have um, definitely added another hour. Yes, we minimum. could. <laughs> yep, absolutely. But Angie, <laughs> do let the audience know where they can find you. Yes, the best place to find me is my website, and that is Angie Chaplin. Dot com and it's a n g i e c h a p l i n.com i am also on social media i can be found on linkedin on twitter on instagram on facebook so simply finding me one way or another i am happy to connect with your listeners and people who are like minded as we are Fantastic. And um, as always, we're going to publish those links as well. So feel free to simply use the, the show notes and connect with Angie 100%. It will be worth your time. Angie, what's next for you? What is next for me is taking a bit of a vacation and enjoying some downtime with family and with friends. I love what I'm doing and I am blessed that my life and my work are very much intertwined. So I am going to spend some time away from the office to explore some writing and some concepts, but also just to enjoy some time on the lake and the breezes and Mm -hmm. some yoga and some retreat that I think will be a great start to the next six months of the year. Gosh, I'm not jealous at all. Have a (laughs) wonderful time. I will do that. hybrid holiday work experience and just you know stay who you are Um, it's uh, wonderful to see you to speak to you and uh, thank you so much for letting us be a part of your story thank you very much Kathleen we'll talk again soon we talk again soon bye 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 Thank you so much for listening to the Legendary Leaders podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then remember to subscribe to the show either on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or on my website, www.kathleenmerkel.com. I would also love to hear from you to discover what topics you'd like to hear more about, what topics really resonated with you, and how you're enjoying the show in general. Please do leave your review on iTunes as well. It would mean the world to me. Thank you so much and speak to you again next time. Bye.